Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, this is the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports. I'm Kate Borsay and England's World Cup has begun. What a day. We had England, the defending champions, the United States, and five goals, the ones that weren't ruled out offside anyway, from Japan. Uh, With me to take it all in is Helen Hardy, who joins us from Brisbane. G'day. Good evening. Oh, come on. How are you doing? <laughs> you can do better than that. Good eye. Good eye, mate. I know I keep getting mocked for my terrible Australian accent, so I need to pack it in while I'm here. And that will continue, of course. Joining us, Helen, today, a Manchester United midfielder with over 50 England caps, it's Jade Moore. Hi, Jade. Hello. Jade, you've been in this position yourself plenty of times at the 2019 World Cup, for example. England's campaign is underway how will they be feeling right now, do you think? Relieved, I think the words um, that's been used a lot today. Getting the first game out of the way is one of the most important things just for pre-competition nerves and that anxiety leading into a tournament. Obviously, everything's building up to that first game and all you want to do is just get out there and get past that white line and finally you know, do everything that you've been prepping for. But actually coming away with a win for England right now is the most important thing. And we've got to give you kudos, Jade, on our group chat during the game. You did predict Georgia Stanway would be the first to score. It nearly didn't happen. And then it was retaken the penalty uh, and in it went. So uh, kudos to you, Jade. Um, Helen, you're over there at the moment. You've gone from Sydney to Brisbane. What's your experience like so far? I just wonder what it's like as a travelling fan. It's been really interesting, actually, because we're talking about this earlier as a group. The Australian fans, I think, this is probably one of their first major soccer tournaments, football tournaments that they've they've sort of been a part of. And it's it's really intertwined into the culture of the football matches. It's almost like they're learning game by game. Like this is what happens during a football match. They've been asking a lot of the English fans. So during today's game, there were a lot of fans asking us, you know, what does this mean? Why is the penalty being retaken? That they're kind of learning the game, which I think is both part of the growth of the women's game but also has been kind of anecdotally what the Australian fans are coming into the, the game of football for the first time. So I think it's been it's been really awesome. The atmosphere was amazing today, 44,000 people, primarily Australian fans, primarily supporting Haiti. And I do wonder if that if that played its part. I'm not sure if it came across on the TV, but, you know, booing every time there was an England, you know, free kick given, sometimes even when they were doing a throw-in. There's a lot of jeering around the, the penalty decisions and the time that was being taken over them and chance of cheating and, and stuff like that. <gasps> and I do wonder, yeah, I do wonder whether it did play its part. And I was thinking about it, the last 18 months of major fixtures where there've been tens of thousands of fans in the stadium, they've mostly been, you know, England home fans. And tonight it was, it was very much a, a, an Australian Haiti fan base um, <laughs> with a few with a few of us England fans thrown in there, <laughs> cheering on the sidelines. What about actually watching the games out there, Helen? Have you been able to see see the kind of full rotor of games every day? No, it's been really challenging. It's been really challenging. Accessibility, both obviously with the 
size of Australia and New Zealand and being able to access as many games as possible. During the Euros, I was flying up and down the M1 between Manchester, Sheffield, getting down south. It's difficult to access many games in the stadium. And then the television rights have been given to an online streaming platform in Australia. So we're really struggling to watch games whilst on the move in pubs and bars and cafes. It doesn't really seem to be being shown. Today, we tried to stop off, watch the USA game en route to Brisbane. And there were five sports bars that we went into and none of them were playing it because they only were playing the things that were on Fox on on the terrestrial TV that they had. So it was really difficult. Yeah, I wonder if there's a way for them to start start to address that as the tournament goes on. Although I'm sure, you know, that um, all the Australia and New Zealand games are covered terrestrially, are they? Yeah, they're on Fox. And it was just a shock because it was the USA game, you know. I was just expecting yeah. that to be one of the sort of headline acts, that USA's first game, albeit against, you know, Vietnam. I think it's still the superstars of, of world football, you know, on that on that stage and and actually going into shops and stores and supermarkets and things people are going oh are you here for the world cup they know it's happening it is being talked about as we're moving up up and down the country it's just the accessibility to the you just want to be able to see yeah yeah absolutely all right let's dive into the detail on england's match against haiti A retaken penalty from Georgia Stanway was all that separated the European champions from Haiti. The retake was awarded after the Haiti goalkeeper saved the initial penalty, but came off her line too early. I think this scoreline surprised everyone, Jade. Let's start to dissect the game, the big debate beforehand. Let's touch on that, shall we? Alessia Russo or Rachel Daly? In the end, we did get a look at both. Russo starting, Daly coming on for her with just under 15 minutes to go. What did you make of that selection? Uh, Yeah, I understood it. I liked both of their performances, actually. They both looked fit, they looked short, they looked healthy, which I think is one of the most important things right now in this tournament. I would have liked their performance a little bit more if one of them would have scored one of their chances that was created. But I think now, obviously, getting the first game nerves out of the way, both of them can settle down, find a little bit more rhythm and be a little bit more composed in front of goal because I felt like they snatched on a few of their chances today. I think one of the most difficult things is the combination of those those upfront players. And and I think Jade's already touched on it. It's it's those first game nerves. We saw it against Austria, the opening day of the Euros. If I recall 2019, the Scotland game wasn't an easy one. Jade will probably remember better than than I do. But um I don't have too many concerns coming out of it other than this goal scoring four games in a row now without scoring from open play and it didn't look like it was going to happen and there were some golden opportunities for them to put the ball away and it just seems like Serena Vigman hasn't quite got that combination right yet of who her front three players and the person sitting behind the striker are going to be. What would you do in her position or what can you see might happen in the next game to try and address this striker issue? I was I was calling for Bethany England still. I have, I have to be honest. I was like, where's my Bethany? We need her. And look, she still remains someone who no one's talking about. Now, I appreciate that there are other players on that pitch who perhaps we need to see more of first. What would you be doing, Jade? All of us knowing Serena now, she's not going to change this starting eleven. I think she's going to give them another go. I think she's going to obviously try and let them settle in and start to build some relationships and start to build a little bit of rhythm. I wouldn't change it right now. I would give this team another bite of the cherry. I would just probably tweak a, certain, a few things like starting positions, 
But I do think when I look at this lineup, she's gone with connections. I look at like throughout the squad, a lot of them within either at the side of them or in front of them. They're playing with their teammates at club. And I think that right now has, has seemed to be something that she's gone after. So go on, Jade, let me drill you down on this. What starting positions would you tweak? Where where are your concerns? I think given today's game against Haiti, I think my main concern was the midfield. I didn't like how they set up. I didn't like that single pivot role. I think if we would have pulled a Georgia Stanway a little bit lower, it would have allowed our fullbacks to get a little bit higher. It would have allowed uh, an Ella Toon to operate a little bit more centrally rather than drifting out to that left side like she not, likes to at Manchester United which would have then in turn allowed her and Alessia Russo to stay a little bit more central and allowed that bit of space that she was trying to create by running off the back line for Russo to come and pick up the balls in the pockets and on turn obviously get the wide players in the games to be able to dribble in and, and allow overloading fullbacks to happen where Greenwood and Bronze's strengths lie. I just think we just lacked a little bit of rhythm and lacked obviously ability to switch the ball from side to side of the pitch and that was the thing because the two higher midfielders alongside Kira Walsh was just too high too early in my opinion. Mm. Jade's tactics board is out again by the way we're going to have to actually buy you a physical tactics board and we'll put it on video <laughs> Might be uh, for people. Helen you're listening into that and it's right to say isn't it that we didn't didn't see nearly enough from Ella Toon or Kira Walsh today and certainly in the first half they did find their rhythm a little bit better the team in the second half but they didn't they didn't play like a team did they they didn't look completely convincing as a cohesive unit yeah and jade touched on the fact that there's a lot of club connections there it was it was lacking today and i think you know people around me were talking in the stadium about how England men's team historically they've always felt like there was lots of very talented individuals and very little cohesion but the England women during the Euros you know showed that togetherness and you know you saw players being proud to come off the bench and play their part for 20 minutes at the end of games that was what was really incredible about that Lionesses squad that's really lacking and it has been lacking for a few games now where that cohesion and that connection is almost missing. I think one point epitomised it for me where we saw Chloe Kelly cut in from the right-hand side towards the end. It was a beautiful opportunity. There were two or three passes on in the box. She chose to take a shot from a really tight angle and I just thought, I just can't see you doing that last year. I just could see her lifting her head up and seeing Lucy Bronze come in at the back yeah. post. You know, there was lots of opportunities and and, and that's, that's what was missing for me. I really think that connection's not really been there but... You talked about it being better in the second half. We saw Lauren James come on. I think she made a massive difference. I'm not sure how Ella Toon lasted so long because I think she was really a, a bit lost in, in that sort of hybrid number 10 central attacking midfield role. She seemed a little bit out of place. And I think a, bit, a big change happened when Rachel Daly came on, I think. For me, Rachel Daly is a, a dead start. Sorry, I know you've talked about Beth England. I don't want to rain on you, Beth I England. I really only say that in jest because she's my golden boot pick because I just think something's <laughs> going to happen and Beth is going to come to the rescue. But I am known for my rogue choices, mainly so I don't repeat myself and sound exactly the same as every other person. But I agree, you know, Beth England is an option later down the line uh, if there's injury, if there's uh, real problems trying to create and score chances in this side. Let's pick up on the defence with you, Jade. You were completely right yesterday. Jess Carter started alongside Millie Bright in central defence. So kudos to you for that. But is it fair to say that the bat line still remains a work in progress? Yes, I think it's very fair to say. I think 
I wasn't expecting there to be that many shaky moments that there was today. But I think when you reflect on it and given the circumstances that we're in with Millie Bright and Jess Carter right now, it's Millie's first minutes in a few months and Jess Carter's first World Cup experience. Given those situations, I think when you actually break that down, the performance that they've given was probably expected. Uh, I just think us as fans wanted a little bit more from them. Let's have a quick chat on Haiti with you, Helen. Melshi de Mornay, an absolute superstar for the side. I loved the way that Haiti pressed throughout. They weren't phased by the European champions at all. And they were enjoyable to watch. She's a superstar though, isn't she, de Mornay? What else, apart from her, what else did you like about Haiti? I think, well, Demone obviously was standout, but I think one of the things that really surprised me about Haiti was the confidence that they had coming into the game. They just didn't seem daunted at all by the prospect. They didn't seem daunted by the crowd. They were threatening from the minute the minute go, and within a couple of minutes, they were threatening England, having shots on goal, and and, and it was really really challenging. And, and I think that was the thing that stood out for me about the about the side that they came out with no fear. One of the standout players for me was Bachebalui, who was the winger up against Alex Greenwood, and she gave her no end of problems. And um, she was she was overlapping her, she was cutting inside. The confidence, I was like, you're playing against Alex Greenwood. I mean, this is. This is probably the highlight of of your career coming out against, you know, this top, top left back. And honestly, at times, Alex Greenwood was really struggling to stay up. I think at one point she she even fell to the floor, couldn't even keep up with her and she was off down the wing. So she was really stand up for me. Some really good saves from Mary Earps today. We need to recognise that, uh, particularly from Rosaline Eloson. Her shot was um, was very strong. Earps was capable throughout that will be a huge relief for Serena Wiegmann in terms of one position. Talked about concerns with others, but that position is in no doubt, really. Absolutely. I think Mary was the only England player to deliver a level of performance that we've come to expect from this England team. Yeah, totally. I must ask about the shirt situation, Helen. Helen is the big boss of Foudy's, a women's football merchandiser. She sells loads of shirts. You are the person who facilitates a lot of shirts for people. And Mary Earps has said this week that she's sort of come to the end of her mission that's been going on behind closed doors to try and allow England fans to be able to buy her goalkeeper shirt. Were you involved in any of those discussions, Helen? And what do you make of the fact that as of today, still fans can't buy Mary's shirts? Yeah, and I, I was across conversations with two of the major brands about goalkeeper shirts because this isn't just an England problem. This is a Women's World Cup problem. Uh, a lot of shirts haven't been goalkeeper shirts haven't been available, made available at retail, which is massively disappointing. I think a lot of people maybe have been a bit naive in thinking that we can produce fifty, sixty thousand units of sublimated football shirts in a week. It simply isn't the case. And then the other aspect, of course, is that they turn on the retailers. We have absolutely no say or choice of of um, what products are made. And this is a two-year, three-year process. And I think one of the things that the brands have found very difficult has been the exponential growth of the women's game and how fast it's happened because not enough England shirts have been produced again for the second tournament in a row. But these England shirts that were produced for the World Cup will have been decided two, three years ago. And we've seen a growth four or five times in the in the fan base mm-hmm. of, of women's football in, in the last year or so. So I'm not here you know, defending the brands. I think that goalkeeper shirts should have been made available at retail. And and I do think that goalkeepers are often overlooked. 
we've kind of targeted it at Foudy's by creating a t-shirt with a little bit of a nuanced design. Take a look. I'm not going to say what it is because I don't want to get sued. Um, <laughs> and it says, this is my keeper shirt. So we thought we'd do a little bit of a nod and a wink. We noticed this sort of six, eight weeks ago. I'm glad Mary's spoken out about it. I'm glad the players are speaking out in general about things that they find distressing or frustrate, frustrating because I think it's really important to continue having those conversations. But yeah, I can understand why she's frustrated and the fans are frustrated. Yeah, Absolutely. Just a shirt saying, this one's a keeper. Oh, why don't, don't you want to ask the You should have been sat around the table with us. At should have me a ring, honestly. I'm full of them. All right, let's wrap up the England chat then and talk about two of the other teams that they're going to face in their group, uh, Denmark and China. They met each other in Perth. It was 1-0 to Denmark with an 89th minute winner from Amelie Vansgaard. Uh, the game ended the World Cup penalty streak. To this point, we'd had a penalty in every single game. Let's run through this one. Jade, your thoughts on this? It was Denmark's first World Cup game since 2007. I think it's fair to say this game was not a thriller in any way. It did warm up a bit. What didn't Denmark give us today? And what might they bring in their next game against England? I think what is fair to say today is that all the teams that have played in this um, World Cup so far have showed a huge amount of rustiness in their performance. Both teams was very energetic and dynamic. I like that from China and Denmark. China didn't really have any outlet, which I think will cause them problems moving forward. Denmark was fortunate, in, in my opinion, to come away with three points but I do think they're going to take huge amounts of belief and confidence moving into this England game and something that we can't obviously take for granted. I found that Penilla Harder was often a bit frustrated in this one, Helen. She did link up well with Catherine Cool, but we needed to see much more of that, really. Um, she wasn't supported well enough. China as well, they, they did they did change things up in the second half. Wang Shuang came on at half time. The question would be, why didn't she really start the game? I think they had, they had a good chance at one point, cleared by the Denmark goalkeeper, although most of the China players were offside, I have to say. What did you make of both teams? You know, both England will face. Yeah, I think that Jade's spot on in talking about the rustiness of of the opening fixtures and I think that's pretty commonplace at a World Cup and, you know, nerves are always involved as well. I think Peniel Harder, I've seen that frustration in her last year when, when I was watching at Brentford during the Euros, that frustration sometimes of, I think that she is the sort of talisman within that team and she's just, at the time, was obviously within a Chelsea team where that wasn't a pressure that was on her shoulders and I think sometimes that shows for her um, within that Denmark side but at the end of the day they, they grabbed the winner and, and she played her role in that as well and delivering that cross in and, and I think that they'll feel the same as England will tonight well I hope the way that England feel tonight which is you know we got the three points on to the next one and, and they I think are the biggest concern for England Denmark um, because I think that the only way is up for them after, after that performance Alright well let's next move on to the defending champions this is Jade Moore. Join us for the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports. 
Well, in their opener, the United States put three goals past first-timers Vietnam, two from Sophia Smith and one from the captain, Lindsay Horan. The Vietnam keeper, Kim Tang, will forever remember saving Alex Morgan's penalty. Courtney Stith from the Diaspora United podcast joins me from Auckland. Uh, A warm welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us, Courtney. I've got to ask about the atmosphere. You were at the game. Tell me how it felt and what the crowds were like. Yeah, it was good. I think there was a little bit over 41,000 people there and they came out in good spirits. Uh, I know for a lot of US fans, it was like a very long way to travel. But honestly, the crowd was about 50-50 split between the US and Vietnam, where I was sitting in the press box in particular, there was like a massive group of Viet, uh, Vietnam fans next to me. And, you know, they were starting chants um, and really like singing the entire time. Lots of clapping, lots of cheering. So it was nice to see. I love that. Brilliant. Uh, we'll go into the detail of the game in just a minute, but I wondered if you caught up with any of the players or Vlatko Andonovsky after the game and what you've been hearing. Yeah, I talked to uh, Naomi Gurma. It was her World Cup debut and it was also, I think, for a lot of US uh, like people who follow the team, it was a bit of a surprise that, not that she started, but that Julie Ertz started next to her because we hadn't seen Julie Ertz in a long time. And it was, you know, Vlatko previously mentioned she could play centre back, but for club, she really plays um, really that holding midfielder role. So I asked her how the game was. She said it was great. And also mentioned, you know, playing next to someone like Julie Ertz, who's really like a veteran on this team was was great. And she had a lot of good advice for her and really small things that they fixed over the course of the match. Let's get into the game then. A win, but three goals from 28 shots. So it wasn't the 13-0 that many people were discussing uh, that was the score against Thailand in France. So I think it's look it's safe to say that the USA were pretty wasteful in front of goal. They didn't need to score anymore. But what is your assessment of that? Should they have been better at converting their chances? Yeah, I think there were a few chances where we definitely expected to see uh, see it in the back of the net, you know, um, thinking especially more in the second half where Meg Rapino comes on, gets in a good area, has a big miss. You can tell immediately she's frustrated with herself and, you know, Roosevelt hits the crossbar. And so I'm not super concerned necessarily about the finishing at the moment because I think the players that had those really big misses were some that were coming back from injury, you know, hadn't played in several weeks. And so I feel like a lot of that finishing will come with the penalty. I <laughs> it's I feel like pe- like penalties are kind of a theme of this World Cup, so definitely could have been placed better. You know, we talked about the save more than the miss. It was badly taken by Alex Morgan, wasn't it? Yeah, it was not a great penalty. When I saw the replay of it, I was like, oh, that's probably not the best spot you could have taken, especially for someone like Alex Morgan, who at least, you know, for a club in the NWSL, I think she's converted all of her penalties for the San Diego wave. So, Um, but I'm not super concerned necessarily about their finishing. I think it'll come, but they're getting in good areas, which I think is important. And then when you have a player who is in great form like Sophia Smith, who can seem to just kind of create something out of nothing, they should probably convert a little bit more, but I'm not super worried about it at the moment. Let's talk about Sophia Smith, dig into the player a little bit more. One of six USA starters making her World Cup debut. Two goals, of course, a brace and an assist. What skills did she demonstrate for you today that make her such a star in the making? Yeah, I mean, honestly, she's fantastic. Like, even the first moment watching her, you know, get drafted to the NWSL and even seeing her f- first moment throughout 2020 and then obviously through COVID, she's just a fantastic player. And not even for, I think, a lot of the reasons that people traditionally expect. Like, obviously, you know, she's quick, but the run she makes really trouble defenders. She's really, really good, especially when she's out wide and you have a player who might, a player like Alex Morgan, who might take some of the attention away from her. 
over the course of this match, we just saw her coming up in these spectacular places. Like the second goal that she scored, she was just fully unmarked in the 18. And so her runs are really good. And then obviously when she does get the ball to her at her feet, she's very good at, you know, cutting, getting around defenders. Her striking ability has really improved over the last, I would say, really year um, since she's really come into the professional game. So yeah, she's just an absolutely fantastic player to watch. And I think really introduced herself on the world stage to someone who might have not seen her before. She's got that ability to be completely unfazed, clearly, by the occasion and by the superstar players around her as well. Kept hearing the word composure when I've heard people talk about uh, Sophia Smith, but she's definitely not phased at all, is she, by this World Cup? Well, it's actually funny. Uh, after the match when she was talking with Mita, she mentioned that she had a few nerves coming into this game. And I was like, this is your your game with nerves? You just had a, <laughs> a hat trick of goal contributions. Like, you know, if this is your nervy game, what's going to happen when you, you know, are coming in fully confident? Who else have you had your eye on, Courtney? Who else do our listeners need to keep a little check out from? And obviously, Lindsay Horan got the other one. But is there anyone else in this team who you think may be an unsung hero, but someone we should be watching closely for? Yeah, I think at least what we saw today, a player like Emily Fox uh, seemed really, really important to the team. I felt like every time I looked up, we were just kind of like, oh, Emily Fox is on the ball. Oh, Emily Fox is doing something. Um, I remember there was one moment in the match where it seemed like Vietnam were about to get on the counter. And so she had two players, you know, chasing her down about, uh, I want to say 20 to 30 yards down the field, trying to get after this ball. And she went, was fully composed and nutmegged one of them and like got out of the situation, like um, nothing. And she, you know, she's a really a rising star on this team. She plays uh, fullback and play on the left or the right, even though we've recently mostly seen her on the right. And she's the type of player who I think, people aren't really used to seeing and not in terms of an attacking fullback, but she also really enjoys, you know, cutting in and get kind of getting into the midfield mix again. And so we also saw her, you know, sending in balls to the back post to Lindsay Horan at times, Julia Ertz. And so I think she's going to have a really big role uh, for this national team going forward. Look, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Courtney Stith from the Diaspora United podcast uh, from Auckland. Cheers. Thanks for having me. up to date with everything going on at the Women's World Cup in Australia by using the free Sky Sports app. You'll find news, interviews, live match coverage, analysis and much more. You don't have to be a Sky customer to use it. Go to your app store, download it and away you go. And after the World Cup, it's the best app for WSL coverage and so much more, including F1, the Premier League, world-class boxing, international cricket and more. Remember, you don't have to be a Sky customer to use it. Just search for Sky Sports in your app store. Well, the final game to mention is Japan's 5-0 win over debutante Zambia with two goals from Inata Miyazawa and one each from Mina Tanaka, Juan Endo and Riko Uki. Two Japan goals were ruled out for offside and Zambia goalkeeper Katharina Musonda got a second yellow in stoppage time. Yuki's penalty against replacement keeper Eunice Sakala hit the crossbar, but Sakala was off her line and Yuki scored the retake. Jade, let's come to you on this one. Technically, Japan are so good I really enjoyed watching this one. Do we need to be concerned, though, about the number of offsides? Japan are a pleasure to watch. When they get it right, when their, their technical ability is shining, they are a pleasure. I I actually thought that offsides in today's game showed Japan 
feeling feeling out the game. They was trying to obviously move off the back line at the right times. And sometimes when you're, you're playing like that, it, it, it does cause a little bit of time to start to, you know, gain that connection with the movement and the passes. Playing surface can also have, a, have a, an important role to play in that. So I think as the game moved on, there was quite a few early offsides that obviously thwarted uh, Japan's attacking qualities. But as the game moved further into it, I thought they started to um, sort their passing detail out and that came less of a, less of a problem really for mm. them. How do you rate then Japan after watching them today? Highly. I think what was promising to watch is their play in wide areas. I've never seen a Japan team cross the ball so much, but their quality out there was unbelievable and they created so many chances. And I think actually looking at the game, they probably could have scored so many more goals. So I think actually looking at that today, they're going to go. They're going to only build confidence on that. If they're creating that many chances and scoring that many goals, that's a good threat moving forward. And that's something that I looked at this England side today to, to do. I wanted them to create that many chances, but also score that many. Japan have got a rich heritage at this tournament. Um, they won the 2011 World Cup runners-up in 2015. So they know what big tournaments feel like. Uh, and it feels like they've raised their game really to meet the standard of modern football these days. I think they did uh, falter there for a few years. Quick word on Zambia, Jay. Japan defended really well, didn't they, against Barbara Banda. Zambia beat, though, the double World Cup winners Germany two weeks ago. They didn't register a single shot on goal, though, in this game against Japan. What does Zambia need to do? What do they need to address in terms of their next game? Yeah, I would really like to see that game against Germany because I'd like to see what they did well. I watched this game today and they lacked so much quality in every area of the pitch. I think for them to obviously progress in this tournament or just have a better game and hopefully get a chance on goal um, and take it, that they need to look after the ball. They need to be so much more composed. They need to tidy up in possession. That's the only way for me that they're they're even going to have any sort of stamp in this tournament. Yeah, I love the way and, you know, rest assured Japan were clearing up the stands afterwards. This has now become a standalone feature of any major tournaments, any Olympics, whatever it is, when Japan are involved. A quick one to you, Helen, on VAR. We saw lots of VAR in use today. What do you make of the refs giving those PA style announcements over the tannoy? I did think to myself, they didn't really sign up, did they, to become kind of an MC? <laughs> they only signed up to referee the game. What what do you make of those um of those announcements booming around the stadium from the refs. What's challenging is that you can't really hear them inside the stadium because as soon as the decision's been made, there's a reaction from the crowd. So when they said no penalty, I'm really interested in the minutiae. So I'm waiting for, oh, what's the reasoning? And then the referee's explaining, but everybody's booing and jeering and cheering and um, there's lots of movement. So you can't really often hear what's happening inside the stadium and my thought process was that that was the intention that the crowd would be able to get an eye in on on what the decisions were so I'm not sure if there's going to be any other assessment on how that's portrayed to the crowd because I don't think anybody around around us or in the stadium was able to hear hear the decisions being made but yeah I think you're right from a referee perspective you know, they sign up to this a long, long time ago and they get told before the Women's World Cup, by the way, you're speaking in front of 45,000 people or 75,000 people. I'm not sure how they'd feel about that. But I, I do think that it's important to, it's important for the audience and for the crowd to understand what's going on, to get an insight. And especially for the penalty that was given 
to England tonight as a prime example because I think that the first the first decision not being given to England was caused mass confusion around us. And on the TV, you probably sat there and went, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Keep us off our line, yeah. But around us, there was mass confusion. And as a result, everybody wants to know what's going on. So I think Mm. some way of explaining it to the crowd can be be really helpful. So TV experience of that good, but not necessarily inside the stadiums. Well, look, you can let us know what you think about the referees and their Tano announcements uh, or anything else that we've discussed on the show by getting involved. Use the hashtag OffsideWC and uh, the handle at OffsideRulePod. And please make sure you rate, follow and subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports. Now, time to look ahead to Sunday with our One to Watch prediction game. Uh, If you haven't started playing yet and you're listening to this, here's producer Sophie to explain how it works. This is the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports One to Watch, the game where you predict tomorrow's top player. So pick a player and let's get started. You'll get two points for a goal, it's one point for an assist and one point for a clean sheet if you're a defender. And if you pick a goalkeeper, it's two points for a clean sheet and three points for a penalty save. Oh, and minus one for a red card. We're going to be keeping tallies throughout the tournament. There'll be a pundits team, a producers team and of course a listeners team. So keep your scores at home and let us know how you're getting on. Let's play. I hope you've got yourself across that. Uh, it's also at minus one now for an own goal. It's pretty harsh. I'm on nil point. No points for me. Uh, Trinity Rodman was my pick for the USA game. And uh, well, she only really won a foul that led to the USA penalty that was missed anyway by Alex Morgan. So none for me. Uh, Linz is on one because Alex Morgan did assist. Jade, your pick was also Trinity Rodman, so ditto for you. Pundits are still on two because of Natasha Dowie's pick, Spain's Aitana Bonmati. And the producers, I mean, really, I'm only mentioning this at the moment because they're on five, which means that producer Sophie, having picked Sophia Smith uh, with two goals and one assist, is thoroughly romping home so far. Uh, Let's turn to Sunday then. The Euro semi-finalist Sweden play the WAFCON champion South Africa. 2019 World Cup finalists, the Netherlands, play Portugal and France face Jamaica. So, drum roll, who are your ones to watch? I'll put producer Sophie's in first as she's leading the way with the scores so far. She's picked France goalkeeper Pauline Peyro-Magnan. Goalkeepers have been saving a lot of penalties, so that's her decision for that one. Well, I had um, a debate between Lossamere and Blackstenius, and I'm going to stick with Blackstenius. Oh, my goodness, Jade, we are doubling up, which has not oh, been good again, for us so far, has it? Because good. we both went with Trinity I like Rodman yesterday. Then. Go on. Yes, yes. Only yeah. only so I can win some points, please. Okay, I'll go Lissamere. Come on, Ah, <laughs> oh, I'm going to go for Lika Martins. Thank you so much to both of you for joining us on the show. Our roving reporter, it's been great to have you actually for the whole show today, Helen, and we'll be checking in with you throughout the tournament. Helen Hardy, thank you. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. And to the brilliant Jade Moore. Thanks, Jade. Thanks again. And you'll be hearing more from Jade soon as well. Don't forget to rate, follow and subscribe to the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports and share your thoughts with us too. Hashtag OffsideWC and at OffsideRulePod. We'll speak to you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.